was a commercial for Black Panther, didn't you, first? <laughs> no, we're just that good at synchronizing the things that we do. Uh, hey, before I jump into this, starting a new series today, a little mini-series called Tribe, I uh, just want to talk about what happened this week. So uh, if you're a part of Mosaic, you know that we had our blue tip uh, parade and festival uh, this week. So many of you were working very hard this week. And uh, I just wanted to thank you, man. If you gave up time, like job, time, energy, uh, serving and helping out in preparation and then during the parade and the festival. Man, thank you so much. Uh, it was amazing. And by the way, if you see Amanda and Jake McFarlane, they're both up in G-Kids, man, just pat them on the back because without those two, this wouldn't, it wouldn't have existed this week. It was just a really cool week, man. And we, uh, we were able to invite thousands of people to church this week, uh, which is just kind of a cool thing, something you don't get to do every week, you know? Um, and just so you know, like I had this weird spiritual journey leading up to Wednesday this week. Uh, so I don't know if you, like, when we have events like this, this is our one outreach a year. We do, like, one really big one. We spend lots of money, and we pour out all of our energy and all of our resources into this one thing, and we get to the 15-day forecast where, it, like, you can kind of finally see it, and every single day leading up to it, it was supposed to rain. Um, so I know it's a dumb thing, like, to get obsessed over, but I was checking my weather app, like, 50 times a day, and... Uh, leading up to it. And it was like, it became the only thing I was praying about. It was really crazy. Like, I'm like, I know that like you need to move through this and God wants to use this, but like, Lord, none of the other stuff matters if it rains. <laughs> so I kept praying. And as we got closer, it was weird. Like I, I did like have like this moment where God's like kind of working on my heart and stuff. And like, he's like, I, I was praying like, Lord, I believe you can do this. Lord, matter of fact, like you're the only one who can do this, right? So if you think it's silly that I was praying about rain, who else would I go to? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of the only one who could change it. Um, but I kept checking, and I kind of felt God, like, nudge me, like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why do you, I thought you said you trusted me. And I'm like, well, I, I just want to see it change on the radar, though, God. Like, <laughs> and he's like, you don't need that. You don't need that. And man, like, so we got to the point, I just wanted to, like, leading up to it, I was checking, and like, it was 90% chance of rain, a lot, like, a lot of the days leading up to it. And then we hit one point where it was in the, you could see the hourly, and it was supposed to rain from one to eight. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, Lord, it's not supposed to rain any other time except when we're there. And then when we hit the day, gone. And God just, and like, for me, that was like a huge answer to prayer. And I'm like, uh, tells you the things I struggle with in life. Just rain. That's my thing right now. <laughs> um, but I was, just, I was just pumped, and I, I felt like it went really well, and we got to interact with lots of people in the community, got to invite lots of people. It was really cool. So let's pray and thank God for that, and then jump into this. Jesus, uh, thank you so much for what you did this week. Thank you for uh, all the energy uh, that the people in this room brought and the people who aren't in this room brought. Um, I just still pray over those interactions, Lord, uh, that you would move through that, that... Um, the silly things that we did, like passing out movie tickets and uh, dressing up like superheroes, that you would use those silly things to do something uh, deeply spiritual in somebody's life to help them take a step towards you, Lord. Uh, and if you uh, give us the honor of being a part of that, uh, we just thank you for that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, I became a Christian when I was like four years old, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I asked Jesus into my heart like 19 times that week. I always joke that's why I'm a pastor, because I have 19 Jesuses in my heart, and you don't. Uh, and that is a terrible joke for a lot of reasons, just so you know. Um, 
my parents were Christian, are Christian. I went to a Christian elementary school from pre-kindergarten to sixth grade, and we went to church almost every Sunday. Uh, not every Sunday. Uh, we would take Sundays off and we would have church at home. And no, that's not code for we slept in. Uh, we really did actually have church at home. We'd go on the back porch. My dad would kind of lead us in a discussion about the Bible. It was a really cool thing. Um, I think part of the reason my dad did that is to teach us kids that like being a Christian isn't just about going to church. And then part of the reason I think was to stick it to those people who used to say that you're not like a really good Christian if you don't go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, which was like the thing back then. And he's like, we don't want to be a part of that. So it's really cool. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is I grew up in about the most Christian environment that you can grow up. Uh, and in spite of all that, in spite of the fact that I've been a Christian for like 30 years, in spite of the fact that my parents are Christians, grew up in a Christian family, went to a Christian school, went to church regularly, I never quite felt like I fit in. Um, I always felt like I had like one foot in and one foot out. And I got to be careful how I say that. Like, I don't mean one foot in, one foot out when it comes to my relationship with God. I mean one foot in, one foot out when it comes to my relationship with other Christians. Uh, I've just never quite felt like I fit. And um, it's not, I I guess for me, I'm still, you can tell, I'm still kind of struggling with it. Um, At four years old, I trusted Jesus as my savior. Like, I I really did. I know that sounds young, but like, I, I really did believe Uh, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. The same uh, presence I felt then is the same presence I feel now. It's deeper, it's much more complex, but I believe that 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 was real back then. So I started my relationship with God like 30 years ago. And I started my relationship with other Christians 30 years ago. And those two roads have felt very different, just so you know. My relationship with God and my relationship with other Christians. I have never in my 30 years of being a Christian felt like pushing away from God completely, pushing God out of my life, pushing away from the table, never. But I have considered doing that with other Christians, which is a funny thing for a pastor to say. And I'm not saying I haven't had my ups and downs with God. I've I've had seasons of doubt, seasons of disappointment, all that, but nothing on the level of what I've felt with other Christians. This feeling like I don't fit in, it's kind of nagged me my whole life caused me to think, and and where I go with that is like in my head, I start to think, well, I don't need other Christians. If I don't fit in, maybe I don't fit in. Maybe I'm not, like, maybe I can just push with them. Maybe it's just, you know, me and God versus the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can read my Bible. I can pray on my own. I don't need other Christians. I don't need that. All the stress, all the conflict, all the chaos that comes from other Christians, I can just push away from that. Me and God, we got this. But what I want to talk to you today about is why I've discovered that's wrong. Um, and and <laughs> honestly, I mean, obviously, I think that's wrong. I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't think that was wrong. Um, one of the reasons I believe God called me to be a pastor and had me have that kind of experience is that maybe God wanted me to create a church for people like me. Not that you grew up in church, not that you've been a Christian for 30 years, but, but that you don't feel like you fit. Um, a church for people who don't think church is for them. It's not necessarily that you don't think God is for you, but maybe it's the church part that has got you hung up. A place for misfits to fit. It's a dangerous mission, by the way, <laughs> to have in case you know anything about misfits. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Why I think it's a huge mistake to push away from other Christians in your life because of the mess that they bring. Um, and I want to start by reading a verse that, that might surprise you. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 5. It might surprise you. So here's what it says. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict 
from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. When I read that, man, I, I wonder, like, have you, have you ever been there before? Not, not Macedonia, but this state of being. No rest, conflict in every direction, battles on the outside, fear on the inside. You ever been there? Or maybe, maybe you are there, like right now? You feel like you're there? The reason this verse might be surprising really has to do with who wrote it. Uh, this is a guy named Paul. A guy named Paul. Paul's a powerful biblical figure who's a missionary, went around the world planting churches. All over the known world, Paul planted churches. He also wrote uh, big chunks of Bible. Uh, so if there's a such thing as like a spiritual giant, that's Paul. Paul is a spiritual giant, the biggest giant of all. Like many people would say he's the best Christian to ever live. And yet, that guy experienced this. No rest, conflict from every direction, battles on the outside, fear on the inside. So it might be surprising to you that that guy, that this spiritual giant, this church planner, this Bible writer experienced this. Maybe it's surprising, it might be surprising because of a couple of different assumptions you have in your life. Maybe, maybe it's surprising to you because you have this assumption that, that if you could get to a certain point in your life spiritually, you won't have conflict or turmoil anymore. And you, you would never say it out loud, like in your head, it's kind of a, a, one of those silent assumptions that you hold, but like if I could just get to a certain level, a certain place spiritually, then I won't have this mess anymore. It's because I'm not there yet. If I could just get there spiritually, I won't have this stuff anymore. But, but hopefully you can see by looking at this that man, <laughs> Paul, who is the spiritual giant and probably got further along in his Christian life than any of us will ever dream of getting, still experienced all this. There's no place that you can get to where this doesn't happen sometimes. There's no like spiritual varsity team that if you make the team, all the waters go calm and everything's great. You, that place that you think you're going to get to does not exist. No matter how spiritually mature you get, this could still be your reality. So there's no place. The second reason you might find this surprising is, is a slightly different reason. Maybe you have this assumption that if you make all the right choices in your life, and if you follow God's will for all those little directional things that you have questions about, if you get them all right, then you won't have conflict, right? About who to marry, where to live, what job to get, how many kids to have. If you can get all those questions exactly right and do exactly what God wants you to do with all those, and you stay on that path, you won't have trouble. Now, if you get off the path, trouble, but if you can stay on the path, you're good. So you have this assumption that I gotta stay on this perfectly golden path that God has for me, and if I stay on it, I won't have that. But in order to believe that, you have to believe that Paul shouldn't have been in Macedonia. And that's just not true. God does big things in Macedonia. God uses Paul everywhere Paul goes. Paul wasn't on the wrong path. Paul was doing, I believe, exactly what God wanted him to do and still experiencing this. So there's no path, no trouble-free path anyways. There's no place you can get to spiritually, no path you can follow that this might not be a reality for you in your life. And the reason I find it surprising is because it's Paul who wrote it. And, and Paul wrote this other book in the Bible called Philippians. And in Philippians, specifically chapter four, verse six, he says this line, be anxious for nothing. You know that verse? You probably do. If you're a Christian, you know that verse. Be anxious for nothing. And it's like, nothing? Like, are you sure? Nothing. And then, but over here, he says, yeah, I've got this going on. I've got some fear on the inside. 
So it's surprising to me because sometimes, I don't know about you, but like you kind of build these spiritual giants up into being like caricatures of perfection spiritually. So you almost expect Paul to be able to face anything almost in like that stoic, faith-filled way. But Paul's like, no, 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 it was rough. And I love that. This is one of the reasons I love the Bible because the Bible's so, so real, so transparent that Paul would write in one place, hey, this is the standard. You shouldn't have anxiety. We've got a really big God. Don't be anxious for anything. But over here he's saying, yeah, but I, I was. <laughs> I, I did. I, I know this is the standard, but this was my reality. It, he's honest. The Bible does not try to dress up these, these people into being something that they weren't. Paul's really just transparent and saying, hey, this is the standard. This is what God wants from me, but this is where I was. And I didn't hit that standard. I had fear. And I love that. That gives me some comfort that, that these are real people, that he's dealing with real issues. So this, this verse is surprising. Paul's going through it here, right? He's struggling. He's tired. He feels surrounded on the outside, afraid on the inside. And like I said, maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. And if you are, the next verse is really important, right? So I want to show you the first part of the verse, and then I'll show you the second part of the verse. First part of verse six says this, but God who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us. I love that. I love that. I got all this stuff going on in my life, but God. Uh, It's this transitional two-word phrase in the Bible that's used all the time to kind of change directions. I got all this going on, but God. But God. God is the X factor here. My life's going one direction, but God, and he changes everything. God steps in, and the whole thing just feels different. But God. I feel discouraged. I feel attacked. I feel surrounded, but God. And God is the one who encourages. God's the one who solves the problem. Now, so when I read this, this part of this verse, that part of me that wants to push away from other Christians wants to yell amen to this. Amen to this. It's God. And if you really look at the stuff that caused Paul trouble in verse 5, a lot of it's other Christians. Part of the reason Paul felt the way he felt was because other Christians were attacking him. So the part of me that wants to push away from other Christians look at this and says, see, see, It's Christians who are the problem, and God is the solution. It's people. The source of stress is other Christians. People cause the problem, God solves it. That perfectly makes sense to me. The problem is that's not the end of the verse. There's five more words, and they change the whole meaning. He says, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encourage us by the arrival of Titus. So what it just said there is, how did, how did God encourage Paul? By the arrival of another Christian. <laughs> That's not what I expected. If we were going to end that verse with a by, I would have said, God encouraged us by, you know, giving us the Holy Spirit and, and, and ministering to our souls. Like whatever that might mean, that's what I would expect. Or God encouraged us by supplying all our needs. God just overwhelmed us by supplying our needs. Or God encouraged us by, uh, you know, crushing our enemies under our feet. You know, whoever they may be, he's just going to destroy them. Nope. God encouraged us by sending another Christian into our life. God was the source, but this Christian was like the conduit through which God gave this encouragement. God encouraged Paul through this guy named Titus. So to sum up this situation, in case you're trying to keep track, Christians were the reason Paul was discouraged, and they were the means through which he was encouraged. Both were true. Christians were part of the problem and part of the solution. We are a complicated bunch, aren't we? So so what I want you to see is, if you're tempted to push away from other Christians, which I bet you probably are from time to time, 
Yes, you are going to be pushing away from some of the stress, some of the, the conflict, some of the, the pain that, that they might cause, but you're also going to be pushing away from a means through which God encourages us. He uses other Christians. And this word encouraged, it's a really cool Greek word. The uh, New Testament was originally written in Greek and they translated it to encourage, but the word is this word uh, parakaleo, parakaleo. And it means to come alongside, to come alongside. And, uh, you know, to come, come stand shoulder to shoulder with you and to face the thing that you're facing with you, parakaleo. And that's what I feel like I need sometimes if I'm ever feeling surrounded, you know, if I'm feeling like I've got fear on the inside, uh, conflict on the outside, if I'm feeling like that, I, I want God to parakaleo, to come alongside me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 64, 1. It says, that, oh, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's what I want. I want God to break his fingers through the sky and step down and stand next to me. I want God to do that. But what Paul's pointing out in these verses is that the way God comes alongside us is often by bringing other Christians to stand next to us. God uses Christians to parakaleo. Which, if you feel the way I feel sometimes about Christians, that's like, okay, God, really? Can't you just come down? God's like, no, no, no. It's not that simple for God. See, God wants to do multiple things at once. He doesn't just want to solve your problem. He also wants to use somebody else to help solve your problem, somebody else to encourage you. He's got a million different things going on in each situation. He's going to use somebody, probably another Christian, to encourage you. And this is where the idea of a tribe comes in. One of the things we've been talking about here for the better part of a year uh, at Mosaic is the concept of a tribe, that we are a tribe. And if this is your first time here, maybe that sounds weird. Uh, and you're thinking, okay, you're going to start jumping around, you're going to paint your face, when are you going to get the Kool-Aid out? Like, okay, and I get why that would sound weird. Um, Kool-Aid comes later. Um, I'm just kidding. Like, for real, I'm kidding. We don't do that. Um, but the reason we're using the term tribe is partially because uh, of the way we use the word church these days. Uh, many times when people say church, they just, they mean a building, right? Or, or they mean a service that'll last about an hour, right? Um, but neither one of those things can parakaleo, right? A building can't parakaleo. A service can't really parakaleo, can't come alongside. And a church isn't a building, right? A church isn't a service. A church is a people, which is why we like the term tribe, Tribe more accurately describes what we're trying to do here. And a tribe can parakaleo. Uh, tribes are kind of built to parakaleo, right? The whole idea of standing shoulder to shoulder is what a tribe does, right? You stand here and somebody else stands right here and they face what you're facing. They get their shield out and they put their shield next to your shield. They get their sword out and they put the, their sword next to your sword. And we parakaleo. We face things together. And we're way stronger together than we are apart. Everyone in the tribe has a different strength, a different area of expertise, and as you start to connect with the tribe, you start to get access to those different strengths. So yes, a Christian tribe will cause stress in your life. They will cause conflict in your life. But it will also add a richness and a depth that you would otherwise not have. And if it's true that God uses other Christians as like that, that pipeline to be a blessing in your life, if you cut that, the stress off, you're also cutting off that pipeline where God wants to bless you. 
So it's, it's, it's both. Yes, it's a source of stress, but it's also a source of blessing. And by the way, can I just point out, isn't that the way everything is in your life? Can we be real here? Your marriage? Is it not both a source of blessing and a source of stress sometimes? Love you. Isn't it? <laughs> Yesterday, right? I mean, that, that's, that's just the way to, your kids, oh my gosh, your kids. Yes, they're a wonderful source of blessing, but they are also a source of stress in your life. It's both, right? Anything, your house, you have a house, oh, that's a blessing, but it's also a source of stress. Your car, source of blessing, also a, a source of stress. That's the way everything is. Why do we want to put church in a separate place where it doesn't do that? Church is just supposed to be good and not have any of the, the other stuff that costs you. Of course it's going to. Church is not going to be any different. It's going to be a source of stress, but it's also going to be a source of blessing. So if you eliminate the stress, you're also eliminating the blessing. And by the way, if your goal in your life is to eliminate all sources of stress, guess what? Your life is over. Because <laughs> you're going to eliminate life itself. So when I make those, that mistake in those seasons of my life where Christians seem to be costing me, and I want to push away, I need to remember that I am pushing away something negative, but I'm also pushing away something that's massively positive. And I might just be cutting off a pipeline that God's trying to bless me with, God's trying to encourage me with. And if I push that away, uh, I'm really inhibiting my relationship with God, who I'm saying, I want to take on the world, just me and God. And God's like, well, the kind of the way I want to do that is to put somebody else next to you. So I need a tribe. You need a tribe. You need an us. You need a people who are my people. Because if we push away from that, we push away from something that God really wants to use to move in our lives. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to spend the rest of our time uh, talking about Mosaic specifically as, as a tribe and, and what kind of tribe we're trying to be here. Um, what we want the culture of our tribe, our church to be. Um, and, and culture, when I say culture, that's a diff difficult thing to get your head around sometimes, right? Um, like where you work, it has a culture, right? Your, your place of employment has a culture. But it's hard to describe, you know, what, it's, what it feels like, the, the way things are done, um, the norms of the group. Like you're, you're trying to get your mind around what it feels like to be a part of that group. So um, that's what I mean when I say culture. What, what does this place feel like? Uh, and I don't want to just leave our culture to chance. Like, well, I hope it feels good. Like, I, I want to kind of be intentional about the culture we're trying to build. So what we did is we, we, we developed um, eight values, that, things that we value as a church that should help us shape the culture that we start to have here. Um, eight things that will make us unique as a tribe, as a church. Uh, now, these eight things, they're, they're both prescriptive and descriptive. And what I mean by that is like some of them describe what we are and then some of them prescribe what we want to be. So I'm not saying like, this is who we are. And you're gonna be like, wait a minute, not really. I get it. Like some of it is a work in progress. Some of it we're really good at. Some of it we need to get better at. Uh, but, but these are the f uh, eight things that we're trying to say, man, will shape the way this place feels. So what I wanna do is I just wanna tackle four this week and then we'll save four for next week because like I said, we're just doing a little mini series here. So we'll, we'll do four this week and four next week. And they're not, I'm going to give you four. They're not really in any particular order. I mean, I didn't just throw a dart at the wall, but this isn't like the most important one that I'm leading with. I'm just going to give you four. This one is related though. So here's our first one, our first value. We did them all in the form of questions, not because we like Jeopardy, uh, but because we figured um, if we ask a question, you can kind of say which one you are and, and whether you're helping contribute to the culture we're after or, or maybe hurting it. Uh, so here's the first one. Uh, first value we have as a church. 
um, connecting or disconnecting? Am I being proactive in pursuing deeper relationships in the church, connecting or disconnecting? We want to be a church that is connecting to each other. Now, I could have put connected. I could have put connected or disconnected. But for me, as I started to think about it, I didn't want to think about being connected as a destination, but more as a direction. Does that make sense? Because I think sometimes we just like, we check it off the list, like I'm connected, but then you start to drift and you don't realize that you drifted. And I think it's more important to think about it in terms of a direction where, okay, am I going towards being connected or am I going towards being disconnected? So it's a direction. Ecclesiastes 4.12, one of the verses we kind of use to develop this one, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-barred cord is not easily broken. Pericaleo, right? Pericaleo. Are you proactively pursuing connection? Which direction are you headed? Are you connecting or disconnecting? I don't know about you, but my kids... Uh, they do this super annoying thing. My kids were so annoying yesterday. I can't even, I swear the devil was using them to attack me yesterday. I'm not even kidding. Um, so let's just all vent together about our children. Uh, my kids do this super annoying thing where if I ask them to go get something, they will come back two seconds later and say they couldn't find it. And I'm like, you, you literally like left the room, turned around, came back and said, can't find it. And then we have this argument because I start to get mad like immediately. And they'll be like, I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. And I'm like, that's because you're standing in front of me saying that instead of looking for it. Like, and we have this whole discussion about the philosophy of looking for things and how important it is to like, you know, not just go into the room and then leave the room. Like, I'm like, you have to like actually like, oh, pick up that piece of clothes. There it is. Like you have to like shoes. Sho- sho- we don't have shoes anymore. We have like one shoe here and another shoe outside in the play area. Like they're, they're, they never find stuff, but it's because they don't really, they don't really look, you know? And that, that's the thing that drives me nuts. They say they can't find it, but they're just standing there. And sometimes we can do a similar thing, right? I hear people say stuff like, well, I'm just not connecting or I'm not fitting in. Well, <laughs> are you doing anything that would help that? Are you, are you helping facilitate that connection that may or may not be happening? Do you think connection is just kind of kind of find you? Or do you think maybe you're going to have to take some steps in that direction? Do you think that there's going to be this couple comes up and walks up to you in the comments and says, hey, we'd love to just have you over for lunch and start pouring into your life and make everything better by being friends now. Come on. Like, first of all, even if that did happen, you'd be freaked out by it, right? You don't really want that to happen. And secondly, it's never going to happen. We really don't do the Kool-Aid thing here. So that's not going to happen. You're going to have to take some steps. And really, obviously, you want this to happen organically. You don't just want somebody to force you together with people. You, you want to be able to develop relationships and, and, and notice that, hey, this person might actually be kind of similar to me. You want that to happen. And the only way for that to happen is for you to be a little bit intentional about trying to connect. So am I connecting or disconnecting? That's our first value. Second one, we actually talked about this one uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, grit or quit. Am I willing to do whatever it takes them out of the obstacle? Grit or quit? I really want to be a gritty church. This is something that's so important to me. A church that doesn't give up, a, a church that, that pushes through, a church that doesn't get knocked down, uh, or, or does get knocked down, but doesn't stay down, right? We get back up. A church that does not view opposition as a sign to quit or difficulty as a sign to change directions. I want to be gritty. Isaiah 57, this is a really cool verse. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. I know that I will not be put 
to shame. I love that, that, that imagery of setting your face like stone. Once we get our direction from God, we just set the course and that's the course we're going because that's the way God wants us to go. I love that, that's stubbornness. Stubbornly pursuing what God has for you. Some of you, you already have stubbornness, right? And your spouse wants you to get rid of it, but let me suggest something else. Maybe you need to redirect it instead of get rid of it. Maybe God gave you that stubbornness for a reason. Let God get a hold of your stubbornness. Be stubborn in different things. When God says to do something, be stubborn in that. Allow God to direct and aim your stubbornness. That'll make you gritty. And for me, see, this is where the first two kind of come together, this whole being connect, like connecting and gritty. Because for me, if I'm around a bunch of people who throw in the towel really easily, it's gonna be very easy for me to become one of those people. But if we start to all be gritty together, if I'm around a bunch of people who just never quit, never stop, keep going, that inspires me to wanna to be that too. I want it to kind of rub off on each other. And that's where these two things can really work together well. That if we wanna be collectively a gritty church, then we need to be connecting with each other and encouraging each other to not give up on stuff. And I just know that life is hard enough that we have to be gritty. You're going to have to be gritty. If you want your marriage to last, if you want to be able to parent your kids to 18 successfully without killing them, you're going to have to be gritty, right? You're just going to have to be. In every aspect of your life, you're going to need this. And I want us to collectively be a gritty church. Third thing, includer or spectator. Am I inviting, including, or just consuming slash content? I want like built into the DNA of our church almost an obsessiveness in our inviting and including. Almost. Uh, now I'll say, I'll say we, we can be obsessive but uh, not annoying. You know there's a difference, right? Um, there's a line uh, that I want to walk up to when it comes to inviting and including people. Not over the line, not into obnoxious, not into annoying, but I really do want to be passionate about including other people in what God is doing here. And I think we're really good at this right now, just so you know, I think this is one of the ones that I'm like, man, we're, we're really doing well. I mean, we just, like I said, we just invited thousands of people to church this week. Um, and, and I think we even do it pretty good individually. Mo most of the people in this room, like I have conversations with people all the time, like, hey, I invited this person. Hey, I'm trying to include this person. Like I have those conversations a lot. But the reason I want to include this as a, as a value is because I think what starts to happen as a church grows and a church kind of starts to hit a certain age it gets comfortable and it starts to lose that fire. I bet you, you don't have to drive very far to see really big church buildings with not very many people in them. They didn't build them when there wasn't very many people in them. You know that, right? Like when the church building was first built, there were a lot of people in it. Uh, and then it's dwindled. And that's because they lost this, this fire and they got comfortable with the way things were and they just kind of let things slowly die. And I don't want that. I want to be intentional uh, about continuing to be an including, inviting church. And really for me, the, the, what's most important about this is that it is organic. Um, I don't want to just be like, I'm going to invite you because my pastor told me to. Like, first of all, I know you won't do that because um, I don't carry that much weight in your life. And secondly, um, it just doesn't mean as much. Like, I want it to happen naturally that you are so excited about what God's doing in your life that you're so thankful for what Jesus did for you and that he's changed everything on the inside and the outside um, that you want to include somebody else, that this is like it's just an overflow thing for you that, hey, God's doing this here. I just want you to be a part of it. Like, it's awesome. Like, I just want it to kind of naturally happen, not be forced, if that makes sense. Uh, so, so that's really the goal here, to be obsessive in our including, but, but really have it be organic. All right, last one we're going to go over today, last value, bitter or better. Am I believing the best about others and helping others to as well? This is a really important one. 
You know what a church is, right? A church is a group of sinners who know that they need a savior trying to accomplish God's mission on this earth. A church is not a group of perfect people who gather every week to pat each other on the back for how awesome they are. You know that, right? There's a difference between those two things. We're all messed up in different ways. Uh, if this is your first time here and you're like, really? You guys are messed up? And if you're not messed up, please run. Uh, we'll ruin you. We will. We'll ruin you. Uh, we're, we're not where we want to be, but we're also not where we were, right? But we got stuff. I got issues. You got issues. And what that means is, as you start to connect, you will have conflict. You'll get your feelings hurt. Somebody will say something stupid. Somebody will do something stupid, and it'll hurt. And we're trying to do something really important. I mean, God gave us this mission together. And when the stakes get really high, stress starts to come in. And man, we can hurt each other as we start to connect and, and try to pursue what God has for us. And sometimes you're, you're going to get hurt. And, and what will happen, what you have to check for is like you'll start to think, well, that shouldn't happen in church. And I just want to check that assumption. Why not? You don't think you're going to get your feelings hurt in church? Well, there are Christians. Yep, that means they're sinners. <laughs> and they know it. Like, that actually, this should be the most honest place on earth. We're just honest about the fact that we're all sinners. And yep, I'm probably going to hurt your feelings at some point. Not hopefully on purpose, but it depends. <laughs> right? Because um, I'm, I'm not perfect. And what that means is, if, if we are a group of sinners who are trying to come together to accomplish God's mission, what that means is, we're going to have to, if we want this thing to work, we're going to have to be really good at forgiving and asking for forgiveness. We're just going to have to be really good at that. If you look at any church that's doing anything that matters, that stays with it long term, it's because they got really good at asking for forgiveness and forgiving each other. They did. It's the only way they last. If you're thinking, oh, it's because they never had conflict. Nope, they did, I promise. They got through it though, because they, they got better instead of bitter. And they encouraged each other to do that as well. So let's not... Let's not be the gossipy church, you know? Let's not be the petty church. I hate petty. Petty's lame. Let's not be the whispering church. Let's believe the best about each other. Let's, let's give each other the benefit of doubt. Let's assume the best intentions. Let's lean positive when it comes to uh, our interactions with each other. Let's really strive to be better, not bitter, and forgive each other, because it's gonna happen. Get rid of that assumption. If you're like, man, I'm looking for a church where I'm not gonna get hurt. I don't know where to tell you to go. <laughs> but it's probably not this one. We have to get good at this. If we want to pursue what God has for us long-term, and I really do believe God has a mission specific for us as a church, we need to get this down for sure. So these are the four values I wanted to go over today. And like I said, we have some of them down, some of them we uh, are pursuing. Uh, but this is really part of what I want the DNA of the church to look like. This is the feel, this is the culture that we're, we're trying to build here. Now, remember in the beginning when I said that uh, I haven't felt like I fit into church in my life. I've, I've really struggled with that for 30 years. Um, I want you to know, as I've reflected on that, I now realize that some of the reason I didn't fit in was not all their fault, like the church's fault. Some of it was, uh, but not all of it. Um, part of the reason I didn't feel like I fit in in church is because 
Uh, they just, I, I don't know, maybe it's a personality thing, but I, I just felt like that a lot of churches that I went to growing up, they were pretty stuffy. Like, does really, Jesus really needs to wear a tie? And, and uh, do we really have to say brother all the time? And do we have to hold hands when we pray? Like stuff like that that just kind of like, I don't know, I didn't get it. And I, I never understood why it was so important. And they just felt like made up things. And there was just this feel that didn't quite fit with me. But some of it wasn't that. I'd love to tell you it was all that. Um, part of the reason I didn't fit is because I didn't really invest. I didn't really commit to the group of people. Um, I, I chose to kind of stand at a distance and be like, all right, will this work or will this not work? And because of that, it never worked. Uh, and now I realized that it was really about this whole idea of you kind of get out what you put in, you know, and I would put in minimal and be like, I'm not getting hardly anything back. And now I look back and be like, well, of course you didn't, dude. Like you didn't invest anything and did you really expect to get anything back? The benefit of the tribe increases as your commitment level and involvement increase. Does that make sense? So listen, if you're newer to if this is your first time or like this is like your fifth time, I just want you to know, um, like when I started ministry, one of the guys I would do ministry with would do this thing where people would show up to the church for the first time and if they hinted at even the possibility that they enjoyed themselves in the slightest way, he would like jump all over it like Chris Farley in Tommy Boy, if you know the reference, um, like super excited, like, oh my gosh, I'll see you next week and our membership class is here and here's where you can give and here's where you can serve and, and they'd be like slowly backing away and I always tried to tell him like, hey, that's kind of like enjoying a first date and proposing that night. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you chill out just a little bit? So I want you to know, like, this maybe this sermon, you're like, oh my gosh, this is our first time here. And he, I know, like, dude, you're good. You can just come and I want you to kind of feel this out and like, is this place, will we jive here? Will we fit here? I'm totally cool with that. Don't feel some weird, awkward pressure to like jump in and become a member right now. Like, that's not what we're after here. Um, however, for those of you who have been here a little bit longer, um, you know whether or not this is your people. You know whether or not this is your tribe. And, and maybe you need to consider, hey, how, how invested am I? How much am I putting in here? And evaluate how much you're getting back out. Because maybe today's the day you decide to dig in a little bit. Maybe today's the day you decide to take that next step of commitment, whatever that might be for you, to say, man, this is my tribe. I need a tribe. God's gonna use this tribe in my life. And the amount I invest is probably going to be the amount I get back, so I need to think about that. Um, maybe not. Maybe you're already hitting it, but I think it's something that you should pray about and something you could think about, something you should talk to your spouse about. So this is us. This is our tribe. This is the beginning of our tribe. Like I said, next week we're going to talk about the second four uh, values that we're trying to build here. And uh, I just want you to think about the idea that God probably uses us to encourage and bless each other. So let's pray.